Hello and welcome to the review show on Crime Time FM. So December, our final roundup of the year. I'm Paul Burke and I write about crime fiction. So I've got a selection of reviews for you today and I'm going to keep them brief. So sit back and however you enjoy your Christmas break or celebrate, stay with us for a little bit of book fun as the year comes to a close. So let's start with God is a Killer by Max Thrax. This is a reissue but a timely one the new Alpha edition in paperback from Apocalypse Confidential, and there are three bonus short stories included. This is as true a slice of original indie noir as you're likely to come across this year. This short gritty novel is punchy and even shocking. McDougall is a preacher with an apocalyptic view of the world, and a firm belief that vengeance is his, so saith the Lord. Fitzroy is the local sheriff, and he's built himself an empire based on drugs in the time McDougall has been inside. He claims he was framed for murder, but now McDougal is back to claim his kingdom. Fitzroy must face him down while fending off the DEA and the feds. And caught between these two are the Locust Biker Gang, the Town Innocents, the Meth Cooks, a host of colourful characters. You know full well it's going to end badly from the first page. McDougal is a Qureshi-like preacher full of venom and violence but I can't help feeling this novel speaks to the wider madness of extremism in American politics and faith these days. Thrax is a hell of a stylist. He can be poignant and insightful of character. This is an eye-opening read, and a lot of seriously dark fun. Next up is a novel I got to too late to include in my books of 2023, but it really is a cracker. Ravage and Son by Jerome Charin. A new Charin novel is always something to look out for, of course. A course for celebration. He gets deep into the soul of his characters, their frailties and their strengths, the essence of what it is that makes us, well, who we are. Recent novels, Big Red, César, Cesare, and Sergeant Salinger, have all been among my favourites over the last few years. And I certainly would add Ravage and Son to that. This is a tale of Manhattan's Lower East Side in the early 20th century. It's home to the Jewish diaspora, immigrants looking to make a new life. The tired, hungry and poor trapped by corrupt police, officials, and swindlers. A ghetto of exploitation. Abraham Khan is a crusading journalist, or muckraker as some would see him. His beat wise real estate baron, Lionel Ravage. Khan takes one of Ravage's illegitimate sons, Ben, under his wing. He gets him a Harvard education. But rather than pursuing his own ends, Ben comes back to the Lower East Side to help his community. Meanwhile, the prostitutes on Allen Street are falling victim to a vicious killer known locally as Mr. Hyde. It's a world of violence, a brutal existence, but the characters, desperate to survive, to belong, are beautifully drawn, and they really are the essence of New York. Jarin has a rare gift for making his characters relatable, and the writing is truly beguiling, lyrical even. Dark as it is, I always feel a little bit better about the world having read Jarin. From a thriller perspective, there's plenty of suspense in this novel, a tale of revenge in many ways. It's also a comment on immigration, anti-Semitism, and how a nation is forged. that kind of reflects on the modern climate. Published in paperback by No Exit Press. A complete change of pace now as we head for the Swedish island of Stoholmen, in the Stockholm archipelago. It's the home of the latest chilling mystery from Johanna Gustafsson, translated by David Warner. Yule Island, out in paperback for Miranda. Art expert Emma Lindahl is sent to appraise the art collection of one of Sweden's wealthiest families, 
Nine years earlier on this island, a young girl was killed. The killer was never caught. When Emma arrives at the manor house, the family won't talk to her. But she has a growing sense of unease, and it's not just about this cold attitude. There's something chilling about this place. And when the body of another young woman turns up, Emma is determined to find out what happened. Emma and the detective who failed to bring the killer to justice nine years earlier team up. Darkest Winter reveals darkest secrets. This is more straightforward than her novel The Bleeding, but it's nonetheless gripping. Claustrophobic and tense, Gustafsson knows how to get into your head. Spy Hunter by H.B. Lyle is the fourth outing for his working-class spy, Wiggins. At the very beginning of the novel, Wiggins is wary of working again with Captain Vernon Kell, head of the new Secret Intelligence Service. Those who've read the earlier novels, and I'd urge you to do that if you haven't, will know why. But let's just say Wiggins feels used. And things haven't always gone well for him, working for Kell. This is 1914. The backdrop is the assassination of the Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Wiggins's mentor, Holmes, is on the trail of a German master spy. He's confided in Wiggins. But then, and get this, Sherlock Holmes is murdered. You may remember Wiggins was mentioned as the leader of the Baker Street Irregulars in the Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes stories. Now he's grown up, and the person who most helped him become the man he is was Sherlock Holmes. Now nothing will stop him in pursuit of his mentor's murderer. Lyle knows how to tell a story at breakneck pace, exhilarating and entertaining. The grown-up street urchin, Wiggins, is a brilliant creation, and this is a fantastic historical series. Once read, you won't forget the gutter-class spy. Published by Hodder in Hardback. Short stories now, Crimes of Passion by Samantha Lee Howe. This is a collection of 13 stories from the psychological thriller writer. These are evocative stories of crime and mystery, leaning heavily on the dark side. From contemporary gothic to Sherlock Holmes' homage, and it's all about revenge, jealousy, betrayal, and there's plenty of surprises to be had. Just to give you a flavour of some of the stories, mine is a sinister tale of a stalker that becomes more terrifying with every word. The Sherlockian The Curse of the Blue Diamond in which a bequeathed precious gem appears to be more trouble than it's worth. Trophy Wife, in which a woman is taken for granted with fatal consequences. Slash, which deals with the movie industry and hashtag me too. Going for Gold, about Eleanor, who after ten years discovers her husband suddenly wants a divorce. Of course, there's another woman involved. But the revenge doesn't work out quite the way we think it will. And the final story in the collection, The Wives, Questions guilt versus guilt by association. These are stories that riff on misogyny and bigotry. Entertaining if you have a dark bent. Published by Telos in paperback. And next, The House of the Coptic Woman. By Ashraf El Ashmawi. Translated by Peter Daniel from the Arabic. Published by Hupu Press. And I really wish we had more crime novels coming from North Africa. This is a modern take on Tafik Al-Hakim's Diary of a Country Prosecutor, which was written in 1937, a classic Egyptian work. This novel reflects on the country clash of urban and rural communities and the role of the sexes in society. Nada is a young prosecutor with high ideals and hopes for his fellow man. Leaving Cairo for the north, he's soon educated in the ways of the local power structure. He's hardly settled in when a land dispute comes across his desk. 
Then a mysterious woman turns up seeking sanctuary. Hoda has been abused all her life, finally snapping and killing her abusive husband before fleeing. These outsiders are drawn into the increasingly volatile and bloody events of the local community, the differences between the local Muslim and Coptic Christian populations, the religious divisions. Can a quest for justice overcome ignorance, poverty, hatred, greed? These are credible characters and they really ground the story of upheaval and conflict, giving it heft and poignancy, elegantly told, slowly building on the passion behind the story. To Iceland now for Katrin Juliusdottir and her novel Dead Sweet, translated by Quentin Bates. When senior civil servant Otto Carlsen doesn't show for his own birthday party, the alarm is raised. A body is found. The high-flying but apparently ordinary civil servant has enemies. This is as good a place as any to apologise for the awful pronunciations in this podcast. Maybe I should read less international fiction. Anyway, here goes. Officer Sjögudis investigates and finds that there are a lot of skeletons in Otto's cupboard and possibly corruption involving funds secretly transferred to Minnesota in the United States. A simple tale becomes more involved and involving and themes of abuse in power, misogyny, domestic abuse and murder come to the fore. Zigarda's own past suddenly catches up with her. Julius Dottir who's a former minister in the Icelandic government and is maybe revisiting issues that cropped up when she was a politician, like the financial crisis and the still undervalued role of women in society. Dark and sinister, a cracking debut, and an opener for a new series that seems to me that I think will be one to watch out for, published by Arenda Books. And finally in the new selections, The Wiregrass by Adrian Highland. We're seeing a lot of rural noir from Australia, A lot of it related to climate change. They do that better than anybody else does, by the way. Drought, Flood, Jane Harper, Chris Hammer, Gary Disher, Danuka McKenzie. They're all good examples. But I certainly would add Adrian Highland to that list. Canticle Creek illustrated he deserves to be mentioned in that select group. New from Ultimo Press and Hardback is his latest, The Wiregrass. Set in a place called Satellite in the backwaters of Victoria. Nash used to be a celebrated cop, now notorious for taking the law into his own hands. Retired, he's trying to live the quiet life in satellite. When an accident turns out to be murder, Nash is the obvious suspect. The newest officer in town is Jessie Redpath, and as the investigation proceeds, foolishly she's sidelined by the CID detectives from the big town. Jessie decides to conduct her own investigation and soon discovers this place has plenty of secrets. Maybe Nash isn't guilty after all. There are some intriguing twists in this claustrophobic tale set against the backdrop of rural Australia. Highland is an accomplished storyteller, and the characters come to life on the page. Outback Noir is having a moment, and it's because writers like Highland make it riveting. There's a respect for the local people, the indigenous people, and the land here too. Well, that's it for new books for 2023. I hope I've given you some stuff to think about again for December here. If you've enjoyed the show, please rate and subscribe with your favourite podcast provider. I'll be back with another review show in January. And of course, we'll continue with the interviews as we go into 2024. Merry Christmas, and again, thank you so much for listening. <laughs>